Anyway, so back to the message we're following on from the, the last few weeks. And if you've not been here or if you've not listened online, can I really encourage you to go back because the last two weeks have been so foundational to the truths that we're going to continue to share today and for the next couple of weeks. So um, I really want to encourage you to do that. Um, and at this moment, I just want to say welcome to those who have joined us again for the first time. It's lovely to have you with us and uh, join them back. And, and as we get stronger and stronger and more people join us, um, we would just, um, you know, that fellowship will be stronger again as well. So the key scripture we've been looking at over these last three weeks and, and today again is found in the book of Ephesians. And the principle or, or the scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 3. But it's actually found in every book of the Bible. You know, when you look and you read the Word of God, you begin to see the enormity of who God really is. And I just really want us to read this scripture again as we start the thoughts here this morning in Ephesians 3, verse 20. And it may be a familiar passage to you, but I'm going to read it from an unfamiliar translation. Because we can become so familiar with the Word that we, are, we begin to quote it and, and lose the the, the depth of meaning that's in it. So I'm going to read it again from the Passion Translation. Never doubt. That's a great start, isn't it? Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. His miraculous power consistently energizes your life. You know, that moment when you, you, you miss a car accident or you miss a, a situation in life, you think, oh, that's a close shave. His miraculous ability is empowering you and protecting you in your journey of life. When things could have taken you out and, and life could have been very different to what it is right now, his miraculous power is always energizing and directing and supporting your life. Those changes that you've made in your life and, and life changes, I, I think of you, Shabaka, the changes that you've made in your life where you thought there was a path that you were on and a direction in the Navy that you were traveling down, but God suddenly intervened and changed the direction of your life. What is that? That is God's miraculous power constantly energizing, directing, leading, giving us wisdom, changing the direction, but God is in the midst of it all. And I believe we just need to give him glory and honor and thanks that he is in control of our lives. When we bow the knee, when we submit to him, he will, what the Bible says, direct our path. It's so clear and so powerful. And, and when you look at this scripture, you know, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. How high, how big can your greatest request be? What, is, what situation are you going through right now that you can turn around and say, wow, that's a big ask? Because he can infinitely go beyond that. You may, you may be thinking, oh Lord, that you would save my entire family because they do not know you. That's a pretty big bit of prayer. How about that they get saved and some of them become ministers of the gospel and evangelists and touch the nations and the world around them? That's a little bit infinitely bigger than what we first thought. Lord, that you would save them. That's great. 
But how about the bigger and better than what we can ask? He can do that for you. He can do that in your situation. Why? Because he's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's unrestricted. He's unlimited in all his ways. Because nothing is impossible with our God. Absolutely nothing is impossible. Your health situation that you're going through, it's not impossible. It may be with man, but it's not with God. Man may have given you a sentence of time and, and a sentence of death, but with God, you know, was it Hezekiah in the Bible? He turns his face to the wall and he says, but, but, but why? And instantly God gives him another 15 years. But there was a sentence of death over his life. But God, in those moments, you know, people could have turned around and said, Billy would never have a place of his own. But God, when, 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 when there's a but God in the midst of it, all things are possible to him who believes. Why? Because we believe in the El Shaddai God, the God who is more than enough. He is more than able. He is more than competent. He is more than what we could ever ask or imagine. Why? Because the power of God is not only working through him, but it's working through us. He is omnipotent. He is bigger and more powerful than we can ever imagine. And I think a couple of weeks ago I said, we may have just seen, not the tip of the iceberg, that would be, that would be exaggerating. If we've seen the tip of the iceberg of God's awesome power, I think we're exaggerating. We may have seen a pinhead of God's power and ability. We may have seen a speck of what he's able to do. But I tell you, I believe in the days in which we're coming into, we will see the power of God outworking and manifesting itself in greater measure than we've ever seen before. Because in the last days, the Bible says in Acts chapter uh, 1 or 2, it says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy and they will have dreams and they will see miracles and signs and wonders. Why? Because we're living, we're living in those days when the spirit of God is going to be poured out upon his church. I want to be a part of that church. I want us to be a part of that church as a, as a fellowship together. I want us so unified. See, unity commands the blessing of God. I want there to be such a unity, such a oneness, such a heart that where division has no ability, not even in your family or in your circumstances or in your thinking, that division is not there, that the power of God is commanded when there is unity in the house. I wonder how much more we'll see as we begin to close the gaps and close fellowship and pull ranks together, that nothing can get in between us and therefore the power. Oh, on the day of Pentecost, think about it. They were in the upper room together with one accord, in one heart, with one vision, and the power of God moved and the Holy Spirit came in power on that day. Why? Because the church were together in unity. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah. This is God speaking. Jeremiah 32 Verse 26, then this message came from the Lord to Jeremiah. So this is a message from the Lord. This is a message from God to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I am the Lord. I am the God of every person on the earth. You know that nothing is impossible for me. Do you know what? I believe that's where God wants to get you to, Sam. And you, Phil. And you, Nikki. And you, Barbara, go behind the pillars. And you, 
Elliot and Becky. This is where God wants to get us to. Just like Jeremiah got to the place where God said to him, Jeremiah, you know that nothing is impossible to me. That's where God wants to get you and I. That we know, that I know for me, that you know for you, that nothing is impossible with God. See, we may say it, but when our back's against the wall, we fret, we worry, we're concerned, we don't know which way to turn, we don't know which way to go for help. We call a friend, but we don't know what to do with their friend's advice. But here he says, Jeremiah, I am the Lord. I am the God of every person on this earth. You know that nothing is impossible with me. What a great place. Do you know in your heart and in your circumstance, do you know that nothing's impossible? That that life can change? That that sickness can be gone? That that financial need can be sorted out? Do you know for you? See, we, we've done a journey where we've put the word of God in our heart. We've, done, we've walked with God. We've experienced God's provision. We've experienced God's healing. We've experienced the miracles. We've, but it's not just bang. Lord, I thank you. There's a war that is waged when you're believing for a miracle. There is something, and I said last week that we were going to get into that a little bit more at some point in the future because it's not just you say it and it happens but you endure those who wait patiently and in faith. So it's really important that we know, like Jeremiah knew God. And when you know Jeremiah's story, he, he hid God's word. He said, I'm no longer going to speak your word. I, every time I open my mouth and I speak your word, I get persecuted for it. I got locked up for it. I, I, get, per, I get people having a go at me. But your word is like a fire in my soul, and I cannot withhold it. I've got to speak it out. That's the kind of God that Jeremiah knew. I believe that we've got to get to that place, each and every one of us, because God loves to do what we and the world around us would call impossible. God loves to do the impossible, because it proves to us, it, it proves to the world around us, there is a God. He loves to do the impossible, heal the incurable, do the unbelievable. He wants to do the inconceivable, the unattainable, and the unimaginable. See, that's our God. He wants to do all those things, but do we limit the holy God of Israel? Do we limit him and put him in a box and say, well, you know, many, the re reason why many people don't tithe is because they don't trust God in the journey. That's the reason why they don't tithe. They don't trust that God, if we give you 10%, I, 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 I trust you that you'll do more with the 90 than you would do with the 100%. And that's why people don't tithe. It's not a case they, 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 they see it in the Word and they choose to ignore it. They just don't believe. God will do more with your 90 than you will ever do with your 100%. That's why tithing is so important. Do we, do we, do we trust him to do the unimaginable with our finances, the unattainable? Lord, you know I, I need every penny. But you give and it will come back. That's the principle of God's word. Press down, shaken together, running over, will it be given back to you? Why, why do I tithe? Why, why does Simon tithe? Why do others in the room tithe? Because we know 
our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly when it comes to our finances. We trust him with our finances. We trust him with our children and our grandchildren. We pray. We don't just pray aimless prayers. We, we lay hold of God as for me and my household, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And we lay hold of God. He wants to do the inconceivable, the unimaginable, the unattainable in your life and in your family. That's the God of which we serve. And last week I, I made several statements and today I really want to break those st- statements down. This week we're going to do a couple, and next week we'll do a couple more. And the first, first statement I made is, there is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. You know, firstly, you can look at the Word, and, and you can go through the Word. You know, it's such a big book, isn't it? It's like, there are so many words in this book. There, Where do I start? Well, perhaps go on Google, type in promises of God. And start reading the promises of God that he's promised over your life. There are 30,000. That'll keep you busy for a few years, all right? <laughs> 30,000 promises in the Word of God. I typed in, and then there are approximately 7,000, I think it's 7,487 that are promises specific for you and I. Others are promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Others are promises for those at that time. And others, 7,000 487 are promises that are specific for you and me. 7,000 will keep you busy for a couple of years. I'll come and have a chat with you in two years' time and see how many you've remembered, all right? That would be so fun. But this is what the Word of God says. Numbers 23, verse 19 says this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make good and fulfill it? What are the promises? Look at the word of God. Find those promises. This is what God is not a man that he should lie. Or a man that he should let you down. Or a man that would back out on his promise. You know, if I turn around to Alan and said, Look, Alan, I promise I'll give you a couple of hundred quid by the end of the week. Um... I know, I know you need a new bathroom. I know it's not going to pay for the whole bathroom, but I, I, at least you have a toilet flush. <laughs> but then something happens in my week and you know, the car breaks down and I need a couple of hundred pounds to go and pay for the car. I, I'd have to go to Alan and say, Look, I know I said it, but I'm sorry, sorry, I can't do it. I've gone back on my promise. But God's not like that. He doesn't say, well, I, I've, I've dug up enough gold streets this month. I haven't got any more money. God's, God hasn't got an, a limitless, uh, he hasn't got a limited supply. He is limitless in his ability. He's limitless in his grace. Grace upon grace. When we fall, grace is there. Do we sin because grace abounds? No. But there is always grace. There is always more from God into our life. You say, oh, but that's in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. Okay, flip forward to the new, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. See, it's really good to establish every word by two or three witnesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes 
in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. They are yes and amen. See, all the promises in God's word are established by the yes of Jesus Christ. But the amen is established by us. If we are lazy in our pursuit or understanding of God's word or what the word of God declares, or we're lazy in our faith and we don't pursue and press and stand on the rock of his word, the yes is always in heaven. It's always established. It's yes in Christ. It is yes. Does God want to heal you? Yes. Does he want to provide for you? Yes. Does he want to make good your family situation? Yes. Does he want to give you wisdom? Yes. Does he want to help you in your time? And he, yes. Whatever your situation is, is yes. But the amen is established by me and you. That's the divine connection. That's where the electricity, poof, that's where the answer comes into being when you agree with heaven, what heaven has already said about you. We need to agree with heaven to establish the promise here on earth. But his promises are yes and amen. Isn't that amazing? He has said yes to your promotion. He has said yes to your destiny. He has said yes, 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 yes. But we've got to agree with his yes. Because until we agree with his yes, it won't come to pass. It won't come to pass in your life. That healing won't manifest until you take the word and agree with him. Let me read it one more time. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All the promises that God has ever made are yes and will be fulfilled. There's no promise that is too hard for him. Let that sink. Let that drop in your heart. There is no promise that is too hard for him to fulfill. What, what does that mean for you? As I, as I was opening up the word and, and looking at this and, and thinking, Lord, give me an, give me an illustration. Give me, give me something that in your word would seemingly be impossible. Give me something in your word that would encourage your people to say, yeah, if you could do that for them, you can do this for me. Because sometimes we just need that kind of encouragement, don't we? Because uh, when you're in the midst of a battle, it's not always easy. And, and it was God's promise to Rahab that just inspired me this week. God's promise to Rahab. You know, we know that God had already said, the walls of Jericho are going to fall. They're going to fall down flat. There are, there, are, there are theologians and archaeologists and all the rest of it that believe that the walls of Jericho didn't crumble and fall to the floor. That the, literally the ground sank and the whole width of the, the, the structure sunk into the ground. Okay, that, That's what some theologians and archaeologists believe about the walls of Jericho, and yet they could, they could race chariots around the, 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 the perimeter of the, of the upper part of the building. Incredible. But it's, they, they believe it sunk into the ground. But the promise that was given to Rahab is that you and your house will be saved. Incredible. I'm going to read a couple of passages. I'm not sure if I've given you all these, Lyndon. So um, let's go for Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. 
And we'll start reading at verse 12 to 15. It says, Now therefore I beg you, this is Rahab speaking, uh, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours, if none of you tell the business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly with you and truly, uh, sorry, deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by the rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. All right. So where does she live? She lives on the wall. She let them out of her room that was on the city wall, and they came down the scarlet thread. We know redemption speaks of the scarlet thread that's right the way through the Bible. And she let them down. She was a harlot, and she let them down through the scarlet thread of her room. So we know that God has said, let me just read it because I could get so carried away and we won't get where I want to get to. So Joshua chapter 6, a couple of chapters later, Verse 20, then the people shouted, they've walked around the walls of Jericho, then the people shouted and the trumpets blasted, and the noise of the voices of the trumpets rose higher and higher, and the thick walls of Jericho collapsed just as God had promised. And when the wall fell before them, they rushed straight ahead and took the city. So here we go. It's collapsed, it's come down, it's, it's sunk in the ground, however you want to translate that word. It's this down and you know if it had been all rubble they would have had to go sort of charging up over all the rubble um, but they rushed straight ahead as the scripture says and took the city so the walls down the whole city the thick wall collapsed joshua 6 verse 23 says this so the two men went into the house and bought out rahab hang on hang on hang on hang on so the city wall and she lives in the city wall, and she let them down from the window of her room on the city wall. And now the city wall has collapsed, but, she, but the, the two guys go running into her house and brought her out. But they also brought out her father, her mother. Do you know what? Her father and mother probably didn't want anything to do with her because she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. They probably disowned her, but she knew that the God who Israel worshipped was the true and only God. She knew what was about to happen, and she brought her family. This is beautiful. She brought her family into a place of safety where the redemption of Christ, the redemption of God would come in and save them all. They also brought out her father, her mother, her brothers, and all those with her. And they put her and her family in a safe place outside the camp of Israel. See, what's the impossible thing here? What's the most unlikely thing? If the city wall's going to fall and her house or room is in the city wall, then her house should have fallen too. Everything around her sunk or broke or crumbled except her house. Her house remain standing. I don't know, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone else preach this or I've never seen it anywhere else, but that's what the word says. And I think that's just not conceivable. No, of course it's not. But God, 
It's not possible. No, it's not. But God. He can have a city wall that's attached to everything, and yet everything else collapses around it, but the place, he said, will be safe. I believe that's the same for every one of us, that you are that safe place. You are that place where your family can come run into. You are that place that everything else around you may fall. Everything else may fail around you. But, but because of who you are, you are separated. You are the temple of the living God. You are his covenant place. And there is a, such a, you are so, if we knew how special we were, if we knew how amazing we were as individuals because we are now Christ's dwelling place, if we knew that, then the anointing of God in you would change the circumstances around us. It is absolutely amazing. Let's keep the tabernacle where God dwells. Let's keep it pure. Let's keep it right. Let's keep it holy. Let's determine in our life that we're going we're gonna to make this place where he dwells a place where he can be honored and that he can walk and move through us. Only the God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, El Shaddai, only he could have pulled everything else down and leave her house standing. When everything around you is falling, remember your house will stand. Remember, you will stand. When, when, when perhaps doctors are giving you a negative report, your house will stand. Maybe when the pressure in your mind is becoming too much for who you are, remember God. The Bible says that for the peace, the, for the peace, how's it going? He was chastised for the peace that was upon us. Isaiah 53, you read it for yourself. When he wore the crown of thorns, it wasn't just another form of execution, even though it was. For anyone who, who, who portrayed themselves as being a, a, a king or a Caesar or um, a, a leader, those who self-professed to be one of those, their form of execution was to wear a crown of thorns. Well, Jesus wasn't self-proclaiming that's who he was. That's who he was. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because of that, he wore the crown of thorns. And it was for the chastisement of our peace that he wore that thorn cross. So that no matter how much turmoil and pressure that comes in our mind, no matter how, how our mind responds and reacts, no matter what those thoughts in your head may be, he bore your sickness in your thoughts so that you could be healed. This is amazing truths. There's no promise too hard for the Lord. He promised to feed, the, feed Elijah. What with ravens? You can't get them more. Well, you can, I guess. But they're, 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 they only look after themselves. They don't even look after their own. They look after themselves. And yet they were called by God to feed Elisha, Elijah. And then, then God says, once you've been fed by the ravens at the brook Cherith, I'm going to prepare a widow woman who's going to provide your needs. When he meets up with the widow woman, she's got enough meal and a bit of oil that she can go and make a cake or bake a, a, bake a piece of bread that her and her son were going to eat, then die. That's how desperate it was. We're going to eat this and die. Now, this is unlikely that God can do a miracle and provide food now for the man of God, but God in the midst of it. 
See, we've got to always bring God into the midst of our circumstances, not fight them alone, not, not, not work at it ourselves. We've got to bring God into the midst of it. And then God fed not only the man of God. And there's a principle here. She gave what was left, all that she had. Not, not, see, you, some of you are thinking, oh, okay, I'll give what's left at the end of the month. No, she gave all that she had, all that she had left to the man of God. Now, I'm not, I'm not after your pension, and I'm not after your benefits, and I'm not after your wages. I'm, I'm not after anything. But we should honor God in that way because God had called her to feed the man of God. That's why we give to God, so that he can provide for the man of God, the house of God, and for those that we minister to beyond our, our doors. That's why we And she honored God, and her and her child and the man of God lived off of that one last meal until the famine ended for three and a half years. Isn't that amazing? It's about honoring God in that journey. I could go on to the prayer one, but I'm not going to. I'm going to finish there. Maybe we'll go on a prayer next week. There's no prayer too difficult for God. There's no promise. There's no promise. I hope with just a couple of illustrations. You know, when you think, I'm going to turn it off. That way I'm not going to even get carried away with something else. When you think God spoke to Mary, he said, Mary, you will carry the seed of the Holy Spirit and you will give birth to a child. You'll call him... Emmanuel, God with us. His name will be Jesus. I'll tell you what, you ask any teenage young lady who's never known a man in this room this morning that all of a sudden you're going to have a baby. They'll laugh at you. You really? I don't think so somehow. You ask anybody that's, that's been single all their life and, and they've not had a relationship. You ask anyone that's past the age of childbearing, you're going to have a child, they'll say, having a laugh. <laughs> but God, he said, Mary, you will have a child. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. Every promise is yes and amen. We've got to have that merry heart. Be it unto me according to your word. If you don't know what the word says, go find it. Go to the back of most Bibles. Go to the back. Oh, what can I find here? Justified. I don't feel very just. I don't feel that, I don't feel that I've been justified by God. Okay, there's 15 scriptures there that talk about being justified by God. Go and learn them. Apply them. So when the enemy comes knocking your door, you have an answer for him. I'm being justified, just as if I'd never sinned. You can't condemn me. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to his way. Go to the Word, because if you don't know the Word, then you won't be able to turn around and say like Mary or Jeremiah, be it unto me according to your Word. Let's put the Word of God in our heart. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, let your word be a seed, an incorruptible seed that drops down into our heart, that produces a harvest and develops a relationship with you that gets closer and closer. 
so that we, like Jeremiah, would turn around and say, we know that nothing's impossible to you. Lord, mature us, grow us. Prepare us for the days that are ahead. Father, we just bow the knee before you. Lord, we submit our heart. Lord, no longer playing at church or doing church. We want to be church. We don't want to just have fellowship. We want to be in fellowship. We don't want to just know you. We want to be known by you. Father, I thank you today in this place. You know every heart, every life, every circumstance, every issue, everything that we may be going through or may be facing in the days to come. I pray, Lord, that your word will be an anchor to our soul so that when the winds and the waves of this life blow, we have an anchor that will hold fast in the storms of life. Father, I thank you today that you would minister your word into our heart. And Father, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, they've never opened their heart to receive you. They've never opened their heart to acknowledge you. Or they've walked away and they're coming back to know you today. Father, I pray that you would speak into their hearts right now. That they would know you, Lord Jesus. That they would really know you. And begin a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Okay, so um, what we're going to do now is we're going we're gonna to chill relax and enjoy the rest of the morning okay there's only seven minutes left i know but you know normally normally when we were at broom park we'll be clearing away until two o'clock so we've got two hours to chill out hang out relax for those that are on the setup team anyway um feel free to hang around have a free coffee um i'm not sure is there tea coffees out the side it's beautiful sunshine out there let's enjoy the weather uh take a chair with you if you want to sit down but don't rush off unless you really have to Okay, because it'd be really good to get to know each other and grow together. All right, God bless you. Have a good week. See you next week. Keep the word going in your heart. All right.